Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Thursday, June 9th. I'm J.E. Skeets here in the yard, and alongside me, thanks to the power of technology, we got Tass Mellis. You're going to get this podcast. <laughs> we also have, joining us from Boston, the top shot hot boy himself, wearing a very tall green hat, Trey Kirby. Top of the AO to you! <laughs> oh, top of the AO to you. Also joining us from Boston, also in a green hat, a little tighter this one. It's the international man of mystery taking it to the Max Lee Ellis. Top of the morning to you, thank you, gentlemen. Top of the morning to you. And uh, filling in for JD this week, uh, back like he never left, it's podcast producer Andrew Andrew Schlecht. What's up, Andrew? Back in the yard with the boys. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Thank you, as always, Andrew, for filling in for JD here. Shout out to the stream team joining us live right now on YouTube. Take a second, like the video, subscribe if you haven't, comment away, share the show. Tass already said it. Y'all gonna get this podcast. Win, lose, or draw. We're hoisting the trophy, putting my ring on my finger. You name it. You're getting a podcast here from your guys. No dunks. Email in your NBA questions to no dunks at theathletic.com and follow us across all the social media channels at No Dunks Inc. Trey and Lee having a blast in Boston, looking at statues and eating lobster rolls and giving out shirts and wearing green hats. Uh, you guys have been killing it with the YouTube shorts and the videos on Instagram and Twitter. So check that out at No Dunks Inc. But let's get into the game. And Tass, we'll let you go first because our guys, the Beantown Boys, the Lobster Legends, they did the Immediate React podcast last night. So Tass, the Celtics beat the Warriors 116-100. They take the 2-1 lead here in the NBA Finals. What jumped out to you last night in Game 3? Well, Celtics jumped out to a great start, responded really well after being outplayed in Game 2. Mainly Jalen Brown in that first quarter. He was a monstrous some good space in for the Celtics. The Warriors, I think, were pretty slow to close that space. And then Jalen Brown took advantage. He was so in control, never getting too deep into traffic, taking his time, the drives, the threes. He just couldn't be stopped. You had Gary Payton saying, no fucking way, no fucking way, after he hit a three over him. Don't worry, I won't swear. I'm not like the no uh, swear faithful in there. No, 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 I wouldn't do that. Uh, but uh, Jalen Brown, 17 points, three assists to start this game. Scored or assisted on 24 points there in the first quarter on those 17 points and three assists in the queue. So the Celts up 11 after one. Then Jason Tatum started rolling. He was finding that Curry matchup in the second quarter. The Celtics were 10 of 14 on field goal attempts when they targeted Curry, which is a big, big number. Now, Warriors fans will say, Wah! Steph got into foul trouble because of a bad whistle. Now, there were some bad calls on Steph. I totally agree. You almost have to admire 
some of the uh, flopping by the Celtics, like Derek White going horizontal on the third foul when Steph touched his arm, uh, trying to uh, get Steph's foul, third foul, and it worked. But uh, just like game two, I don't think it was the bad whistle that won or lost this game. The Celtics got a bad whistle in game two, but that wasn't the difference. I think the Warriors got a bad whistle here in game three, but that's because the Celtics were freaking bringing it and they were able to get the calls because they were the more physical team. So what it actually was, was the Celtics getting after it on the glass. 15 offensive rebounds, 15, grabbing 40% of their misses. That's a ridiculous number. I know people were watching this game saying, oh, the Celtics are bigger, more athletic. But that's not what happened in game one and game two. The Warriors uh, did a way better job, seven and six offensive rebounds in the first ga- couple games. But you got to think as we go forward here, are the Celtics wearing the Warriors out to some degree? We saw it in the finals last year when the Bucks were able to overcome the Suns. Um, but still, we were all watching for the third quarter, right? We were all just waiting to see. Well, are the Warriors going to do this thing? And even though the Celtics got up as many as 18, the Warriors were able to take a one-point lead in the third quarter. But there were too many lousy possessions, as I was saying about the offensive rebounding. Like, they just allowed the Celtics to get open shots. The Celtics had a three-on-five at one point because not everybody was pushing it up the floor and were still able to get a wide-open three from Grant Williams with a minute left in that third quarter while the Warriors were trying to make that push. I don't know how you get an open three when you're three on five. Just a huge flub there. There's so many flubs, I think, from the Warriors in the third quarter. The Warriors had that instance where Draymond Green lost the ball on the offensive end. It went out of bounds. Horford steps out, gets the ball from the referee, and still is able to throw a 70-foot pass to Jalen Brown for a score. I think they were just getting beat down the floor. So even though they won the third quarter by eight points, continuing this trend, it could have been way more. Uh, so uh, the the Warriors, yeah, it could have been up uh, going into the fourth, but that's when uh, the Celtics took it home. Offensive rebounds, Jason Tatum really doing a good job and uh, a lack of boxing out by the Warriors. And that potentially got Curry hurt with uh, two minutes left. They didn't box out. Um, and that would be the end of the series if Steph Curry was hurt. But as I show you here on the stream team, he had a little sly smile after sitting down uh, after that injury. So I think he, he'll be fine for uh, game four, but they were outplayed in this one, despite Curry's 31, Clay's 25, and Andrew Wiggins 18. You should expect to win when you get those numbers, but Brown, Tatum, and Smart, Beauties 27, 26, 24. Draymond had a bad game. Uh, his intensity was lacking. As he said on his podcast, I listened to a Draymond Green podcast today. We'll get into that. But the Celtics were just tougher. Absolutely just tougher in this one. One of my favorite discussions from the Immediate Reaction podcast last night, guys, was you, the two of you, trying to figure out the uh, finals MVP votes for game three. And uh, who played the best for the Celtics? And you guys were going back and forth. Was it Tatum? Was it Brown? Was it Smart? Um, I think you could even throw some love to Robert Williams, who I thought had an incredible game. For the Celtics, looking very spry with the four blocks, three steals, eight points, ten boards. Um, but it was toughly, right? Because you had four. I mean, really, Grant Williams was great too. You had like five, six Celtics contributing, where you only had like two guys on the Warriors. Yeah, and uh, I think because of the way the game started, Jalen Brown did get off to that incredible start. He was so aggressive early on, uh, knocking down shots and and distributing the ball well. But the reason I went with Jason Tatum in the end was because, and and this is what I did mention on the show last night, I really liked his leadership last night in that he knew he just had to maintain and and stay involved in the offense, and he was very aggressive. They kept driving into the paint last night, a lot of like drive and kick to the corner or or cross-court passes as well, we noticed. But most importantly, you want your star player 
to just be continually involved. He doesn't have to score every time. He doesn't have to, have to shoot every time. But the, the Warriors had to know that Jason Tatum was going to be involved in the play a lot of time. And he often uh, attacked his defender, whoever that was. They went at Steph, of course, a lot. If it was Andrew Wiggins, he went at him because he is the star player in this team. He's an All-NBA first-team player this season. So you want to see him take it, step up in those moments because that third-quarter run did come from the Warriors. Chas mentioned there, they took the lead there. And that was at a moment where it's like, oh, maybe the Warriors, you know, they're going to do this again. They're going to uh, steal this game and, and steal back home court advantage. But I really like the resiliency shown by the Boston Celtics. And again, led by their star player, Tatum, by just making sure that his team kept their composure. They went on a nice run. I think they went on about a 20-8 to 8 run just after the, Celt uh, the, the Warriors took the lead there. And he was instrumental in that. So I think that's it. He hasn't had a huge scoring series. He didn't score all that many in game one, but he had a lot of assists. Game two, he had a good scoring game, but of course they got blown out, so it didn't really matter. But I thought last night, just his general sort of command of the game and being where his team needed him to be at the right time really stood out to me. So Jalen Brown's great. Marcus Smart was also brilliant. I mean, this is a big difference here. Steph and Clay were good for the Warriors. And that was really it. They didn't get to, I mean, Wiggins was fine, but he wasn't all that good. Uh, for the Celtics, they had multiple contributors in different times of the game. And Robert Williams, you, you've talked about him already. I thought his impact in his 26 minutes was huge last night. He got the steals, he got the blocks, he got some oops, and his presence just contesting shots. When he wasn't on the court a couple of times, you could see the Warriors attack the paint there. They knew that uh, it wasn't quite the same without Williams there. But overall, this is a very, very impressive victory here by Boston because teams often get off to a big high Hot start. We know a first quarter, first half lead doesn't mean anything in the NBA. That happened last night. The Warriors pushed, but then the Celtics really counter-punched. Uh, and I thought that was uh, really what decided the game. How loud was the TD Garden, Trey? Oh, it was lit, Skeets. Uh, yeah. We were talking afterwards. We ran into John Schumann, Mike Wright from NBA.com as well. You know, outside of a Raptors game that Schumann pulled from deep within the archives... <laughs> Kind of a unanimous agreement that this might have been the loudest arena we had been to. It was so loud, uh, especially in the first half, especially any time Draymond got involved in any sort of skirmish. The only time it quieted down a little was in the third quarter when the Warriors went on their run, had a seven-point possession. People started getting a little nervous then. But shout out to the Celtics. They were able to respond to that as they have been responding to basically any sort of adversity since January uh, to be able to bounce back from a seven point possession in the midst of a huge Warriors run when you know that that's kind of been the story of the series so far. I thought that was super impressive. Tass, you said you listened to Draymond's podcast. Did he explain why he played like garbage? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was odd to hear Draymond say he kind of got in his own head. After game two, all the talk was, ah, maybe he's, uh, you know, ruffling other guys' feathers. Maybe he's playing a little too aggressive or whatever people were saying. And he basically said, uh, I just thought about it too much. Uh, <laughs> two days off in between games two and three and then a 9 p.m. start, there was a lot of time to, to kind of get in my own head. And he didn't bring the intensity. I, he just wasn't meeting the moment with any sort of intensity one-on-one -on -one, late switches rebounds uh it was yeah it was a bad night for him overall offensively and defensively so that's yeah that's i think i think uh draymond not playing a good game is pretty much why the warriors lost this one we've seen it before earlier in the playoffs when he gets into like a big skirmish in one game he almost goes too far in the other direction you know trying to not make waves uh for any sort of extracurricular activity but he had more fouls than points rebounds assists. Robert Williams was just jumping over him for every offensive rebound. The Celtics scored 52 points in the paint. The Warriors were just a little too scattershot. Like Lee mentioned, 
the Celtics were clearly trying to find cross-court passes. And when they were doing that, they were getting open looks. And then the defense is kind of all over the place, which gives you huge offensive rebounding opportunities as well, which the Celtics were able to cash in on. So Draymond has to be obviously the Warriors' best defensive player. And he didn't really bring much defensively last night. And then on offense, he did nothing. Like, not interested on offense at all. Yeah, I thought it was telling when, I think it was in the first quarter, Jalen Brown was going off, like you said, Lee. Draymond blocked him. And he had some shit to say to him. And then the very next possession, Jalen just went right at Draymond, left hand layup, just blew by him, scored over him easy. I was like, oh yeah, uh, we're not getting the uh, an elite Draymond Green game here on, on both ends. I'm with you, Trey. I thought he was sort of like outclassed a lot on the other end where he's like usually going to shut down guys. But the athleticism and the size was rearing its ugly head here for the Celtics in both the Williams, of course, Al Horford. And uh, yeah, you said the point in the paints differential, 56 to 26, I think it was, in the end task. Like, yeah, there was Marcus Smart baskets where he was just like driving at Steph Curry. Boom. Curry would bounce up. Now, a lot of it, a little bit because of the foul trouble. Like, Curry can't be playing as, as aggressive defensively, but he did that like three or four times, Marcus Smart, I thought. Oh, yeah. He was uh, he was clearly going at Steph. And I mean, I thought in the third quarter, I thought that was a big part of the reason that the Warriors were able to make their run. It seemed to me like Smart was intent on drawing a fourth foul on Steph Curry and kind of went over the edge a little bit with uh, how he was playing. But he reined it in in the fourth quarter. There was so much more space in the fourth quarter for him to attack Curry. And then, like you're saying, kind of the dagger of the game was when he bumps Curry inside and finishes with a little banker off the glass. Steph wincing, grabbing his ribs like, I don't know, probably has a deep bruise at the very least today. But uh, the physicality that the Celtics brought was incredible. Uh, And after the way game two went, that's exactly what they needed to bounce back. Yeah, they're super flat on the Warriors side. Like like for one, for instance, there was uh, the drop off for Robert Williams in the dunker spot where Draymond Green allowed him to, you know, chuck up a, a six footer, which was the the smart move. But then Draymond Green just watched the rebound go right over his head back to Robert Williams instead of boxing out. I mean, he really did nothing for the three seconds after Robert Williams let the ball go. So he was super flat and uh, the Warriors, yeah, did not meet the moment whatsoever. And and I know, you know Trey mentioned this, the Steph uh, getting banged up and bruised. Uh, he, you know, he, he left the game after Al Horford fell on his leg. Again, another offensive rebound that no one boxed out on. So there was a scramble for the ball. Uh, and uh, Celtics fans, uh, um, sorry, I should say Warriors fans, you know, look at it and say, oh, Steph didn't go to the line enough. Uh, and he had, you know, crappy calls made on him. And that's why it sort of took him out of the game. And there were a couple bad ones uh, for sure. Uh, like the, his first foul, he was kind of, kind of bumping Jalen Brown. It was it was a real you know, November seventh foul where he bumped Jalen Brown on a drive, a regular season foul where they gave it to him, and then that white flop I mentioned earlier, which was a, a bonkers one. Then he reached in on Smart, and Smart really sold it. So bad calls for sure, uh, but. Steph was on. I think. I think if there's some good things to take for the the Warriors, I mean that shot is money right now from three. He looks like he's just. Uh, he looks like he's shorter, short arming it. He's letting it go so fast. But he was six of eleven from three, and then Clay Thompson able to finally get going here. Uh, absolutely paying off Steve Kerr's loyalty to him to have a twenty five point night. It looked like Clay was going to have a bad night. Started zero of three. He was really slow defensively, like all the Warriors were, in in trying to close those gaps, but he hit his fourth shot and then yeah, 25 point night. So 
that bodes well. Uh, but the Warriors can't can't think that they can play six minutes and win this ball game, and that's what happened. Are you surprised at all, uh, Lee, by by Kerr's rotation or who like played and didn't play in this game? Because Looney only got seventeen minutes, and we talked mm. about them getting dominated on the inside, and then you had like Gary Payton the second getting. Uh, some minutes early, he went away from him. Pool was basically pulled. Uh, is he just like searching for a lineup and anyone to contribute here? Yeah, well, well, just to Tass's point there, I mean, Steph and Clay, yeah, great games by them, but it really did at times, especially at the start, look like their offense was only those two, and then whatever you can get from Wiggins as a bonus, because Looney, obviously, he really only sort of cashes in found money if it's a broken play and he's around the hoop, and Draymond, I mean, the the uh, the the inability of him to shoot at all and even look like he's shooting is really playing into the Celtics' defense because they're just laying so far off him now that they are able to sort of cover the other bases there, and that that is a problem I think there for Steve Kerr. I think he needs someone else to be able to come out there and just at least open up the offense. Um, so he's looking for anything. I mean, Otto Porter hit a couple of threes. Jordan Poole, you know he's going to come out and try to fire away, but he's certainly not the threat of the other two. So, you know, Steph and Clay had to carry so much of the offensive load. I just think that uh, the, the Warriors were, were searching for that other contributor, which the Celtics had, and, and the Warriors just couldn't find there last night. So um, how he changes that for game four I mean, it, it's hard to sort of see what he can do because everyone's there, everyone's healthy. It's just finding that guy who can actually get into a bit of a rhythm uh, and they just can't do it because Draymond is a very good facilitator of the offense. He's a great passer. He's got great court vision. He's got a high basketball IQ. But when he's kind of in the half court there and he's dribbling and he picks up his dribble, the Celtics are like, okay, now we've basically got an extra man to defend, like a free safety, throwing a little football reference here. You know, they can cover that extra um, ball because you know they're looking for Steph, you know they're looking for Clay, And, and Trey, and I, you know, talked about this at the game there last night. I mean, we've all watched a million games of basketball. We've all been to a million games of basketball. But there's always something about just being there in person, about just seeing how quick and how tiny the gaps are for Steph and Clay to get some of those shots off. Like Steph is running around screens. There's the tiniest window. He gets the ball and he gets a good shot off. You know, and he shot well there last night. But it's just incredible how tight those windows are, especially against such an elite defense here like the Boston Celtics. So that's also why it's hard for the Warriors here. They just they're off offense you know, they like the ball to move around. They like the guys to get open. But the Celtics have been very well prepared. I think Ime Odoka has done a fantastic job scouting and just being like, if Steph's coming around like a multiple screen here, whatever the whatever the situation is, those other guys have got to be ready to close out and not give him those open looks, which we have seen uh, in those uh, couple of games in San Francisco earlier. It was a couple of times it was like, wow, Steph's got so much room. You know, it stands out for a, for a shooter like him. But last night, it didn't feel like that. He, he outshot that incredible uh, Celtics defense. And, you know, again, seeing it in person is just a whole different experience. Was the uh, media room a buzz before the game, Trey, when uh, we found out that the Warriors players were complaining about the height of the basket during warmups and determined <laughs> that the, uh, the net was too high? What was going on there in the arena? My favorite take was from Warriors fans who were saying, well, the Celtics aren't even going to wait for Scott Foster to try and steal the game. They're <laughs> cheating on their own ahead of time. Uh, I don't know. We were, you know, we were having a nice dinner. We were chatting with Cheeve. We weren't paying oh, attention to what was going down on the court. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, it's pregame. It's pregame. No, no, I know. I mean, I'm just, just asking. Yeah. Uh, the best part was Steve Kerr said, uh, it's a good thing the game starts at midnight. Plenty of time to fix it. That's the best life. Because, yeah, the game starts late. About yeah. nine, what, 907, 908 tip there, uh, East Coast time. And, uh, I, I imagine that had a part of that Celtics crowd being pretty, uh, 
pretty lathered up lately. Oh, you got a lot yeah. of time to get some uh, dinner drinks in you. 907 yeah. start. And it was a beautiful day here yesterday. Oh, nice and warm. Uh, had a little bit of rain earlier in the day, but that all cleared out. There was a really big party atmosphere. Uh, a little bit of wacky backy floating around in the uh, pregame crowd as well there. You could uh, get a... a it's all right, Lee. Wh- you can say marijuana. It's legal here. In <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I'm wacky still not sure back. if it's legal or not or where it's legal, but uh, no, the fans... Fans were all in a good, happy mood. There was uh, nothing sort of uh, crazy going on outside the arena there. And, uh, yeah, Trey and I had a nice little meal to prepare for it. And then, uh, yeah, it was so late. I think we were getting ready to go to bed. And then we're like, hang on a minute. We've got to go and watch a game here. So, uh... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the thing that was weird about the the rims being too damn high. The rims are too damn high was that the assistant coaches noticed and not the players Mm. at first. So the assistant coaches sitting around, I guess they're used to handing the ball off and letting the guys go through their pregame routine and looking up at the rim. That's weird that the players didn't notice. But, uh, yeah, that's got to be gamesmanship, right? Set the rim a couple inches too high, see what happens. <laughs> sure. Sure, yeah. Yeah, we were uh, actually talking about that, Lee. I never, I didn't put two and two together. You were ta- you just asked me if I was at, if the first finals game I went to was the hot game in uh, San Antonio yeah. way back when. Uh, I guess that was 2014 finals. We said, oh, I wouldn't be surprised to see some shenanigans, some old Red Auerbach. Let's turn off all the hot water in the locker yeah. room. So you got to take a, a nasty cold shower. <laughs> this was a, a little sneakier version of it, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, because that's right. How do you get the rim height wrong? I mean, I thought I would think these days they're so, you know, technologically sophisticated that it's impossible to get the rim height wrong. So someone there was uh, just tinkering a little bit and just said, let's see. But it's weird. I mean. I would think actually having it higher is is some sort of advantage because then it has to come down lower rather than if you have it lower and then it has to go up higher. But. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it would have been worse if they put them at like That's eight right. feet high rims and yeah. then they're like, yeah, oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I do like that they have like a device, it appears, that they hang off the rim, like just a, like a little ruler. And they're like, nope, yep, that's official, <laughs> 10 feet. I've never seen that thing before. Yeah. That was new to me. Yeah. Uh, but there you go. So the key stat is the previous 39 times teams have split the first two games of the finals. The winner of game three has gone on to win 82% of the time. Uh, what do you think moving forward here for game four, Tass? Like, are you are you feeling that the Celtics are in control with how more athletic and younger they look uh, than the Warriors? Are you far from writing this one over? It could go back to a best of three in the Bay. What do you think? All right, this series is not over whatsoever. Uh, yeah, the Celtics are a resilient bunch and they keep coming and it looked like they were the deeper team last night. Absolutely. Uh, when you have assertive Al and you have guys coming off the bench like Derek White um, and, and even Peyton Pritchard just you know ready for their moment, ready to take every shot that comes their way, ready to talk trash to every single Golden State Warrior. It looks like they want to take their throne. Uh, but I... I, I, I I, I think the Warriors could easily take game four. Uh, and, and I think maybe, you know, sometimes I think the the Warriors are being a little too ho-hum after a loss. Like they, it felt like they were after game one saying, uh, we'll be fine. And then they were fine. Uh, but uh, in this in this instance, after game three as well, Draymond Green mentioned that Clay said to him, we've been here before, 2015. We were down to the Cavs 2-1. We did it. No big deal. So it, it feels like they're uh, a little too lax, but at the same time, they know how to turn it up. They obviously have to get way better at closing those gaps and not allowing easy passes. So they could they could do it for sure in game four. And I, I know we say, oh, the Celtics are bigger and more athletic, uh, but the Warriors are just didn't fight as, as well as they did in games one and games two, where they held the Celtics off the boards. Uh, 
it, both times. They, uh, but uh, but I wonder if yeah, the Celtics are wearing this team down. Uh, they're they're they are younger, and it did happen to the Suns last year where they they got sort of yeah beat down after you know a couple months. It's a uh, it's a war of attrition out here. Uh, we'll see what happens in Game Four. Same question, Trey. What's your vibe on the rest of this series? Well, the Warriors haven't lost back-to-back games in the postseason yet, just like the Celtics haven't. So, I mean, it's a must-win, no doubt about it, for uh, Golden State on Friday because the the Celtics have proved they can win on the road. They're the first team to beat the Warriors in the Chase Center uh, in the playoffs so far. Uh, the, the problem for the Warriors, I feel like, is... Their best defensive and rebounding lineup is going to have Looney and Draymond uh, in the lineup, but that's also probably their worst offensive lineup. So it's almost going to have to be on Steve Kerr sometimes to sit Draymond if he's not being aggressive offensively, if he's not giving it to you defensively and play Looney a little bit more. Like Looney might have been the better choice over Draymond in the third quarter and in the second half. I don't know. That's a tough call to make. It's kind of the same as saying you got to sit down Clay Thompson at times. Are you really going to sit down these championship equity guys? Not very likely, but all I know is that the Warriors last night got great games from Curry and from Thompson, and they lost. That's pretty surprising. Usually when those guys play well, go for, you know, 60-ish points, they've got a really solid chance of winning. But despite the fact that they threatened a little bit, it didn't really feel like the Celtics were ever out of control of this game. So I expect a better effort from the from the Warriors in Game 4. They're a great bounce-back team so far, but I also think the Celtics have proven that they're a little bit more consistent. The Warriors can probably get to higher highs in a game-to-game basis, but on a quarter-to-quarter basis, it feels like the Celtics are a little bit better right now. Lee, um, you know, what do you guys got in store here for the next couple days? You guys are going to be there game four back in the building, Mm -hmm. up in the the rafters. You guys are looking at the banners, I heard Trey say. Basically, eye-to-eye with the banners, you're so high there. Did you get any nosebleeds yesterday? Uh, no, it's actually, it was a pretty good spot to watch it from nice. where we were. Uh, we were, you know, there's a few, quite a few other media spread about there. We had a nice angle. I got to see a Southern lawyer out there uh, working his magic, and it was yeah. uh, beautiful to see that and witness that. We uh, <laughs> bumped into a few of our um, colleagues and uh, and peers in the NBA world as well, which was fun. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. Honestly, I think this series is still very much alive. Uh, you know, I, I expect the Warriors to bounce back, bounce back. That's what experience sort of gives you is like you just know that they know this is a must-win game for them, and, and uh, I think they're going to come out differently. You know, the, the crazy thing is the Warriors always win a road game and the Celtics always lose a home game. So based on that, the Warriors are going to tie it up on Friday night. But uh, no, we'll uh, we'll be at practice later on today, and then uh, we'll sort of see what we're going to do after that. We haven't really we'll, – we'll sort of figure things out a little bit. But um, We might go yeah, get the good beans, Tass. Ooh, Somebody was talking we, to us about the good beans yeah. here in wow. Boston, and once Lee heard we could go for a coffee tasting, he was like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. oh, going down to Broadsheet. Yeah, Bro- that's right. Hey, that's 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 the rumor on the street. Anyway, oh, the, those uh, are good. Those are great yeah. beans. I think I oh, got the uh, the beans. Buenos Iris blend, and that's Ooh. that's the one. That's a delicious, delicious brew. Wow. I heard you talk about it on the uh, podcast last night, but for people joining us here in the stream team, maybe haven't caught that podcast yet. Can you give us a breakdown of Nelly's halftime performance, Lee? Thumbs up. <sighs> ah. Brilliant! I, uh, wow. I I thought it was great because mm. uh, he I think he only had like twelve minutes or something like that. It wasn't very long, so he just went straight into uh, just a medley of his bangers. Um, yep. Now I, can't, I know I, I'm going to get. I think I'm going to get these wrong. He started with country grammar and then yep. EI. Okay, and then he went to uh, hot in here. 
was a that's right. You're yeah. you're on it right now. Okay, I, I can't remember number four, but then he finished obviously with uh, right with me. So uh, oh, you know, wow. yeah, yeah. Oh. No dilemma, unfortunately. No Kelly Rowland. Uh, she didn't come out and uh, and join him. I was hoping for that, but uh, unfortunately, it didn't happen. But uh, Nelly was great. Um, yeah, I thought he had good energy. And uh, Trey and I tried to kind of figure it out that um, why he was there in a Jason Tatum jersey. He's from St. Louis, and Tatum mm. is from St. Louis. So that yeah. was the connection there. Yeah, Tatum was pumped. I think there was a. I think Deuce took a photo with Nelly. I saw going around uh, that St. Louis connection. There. Yeah, <laughs> he was excited to see him. Who do you know? Uh, who's performing Game Four? Do you, any idea? Has that been released by the NBA yet? No. Uh, it's no. going to be Murphy you? Lee. He's doing what the hook gonna be? He's going to do the whole wow. song. It's his only hit. Wow. Uh, yeah, Lee. Who would you like to see? In Boston, you, well, you still want one of the Wahlbergs? Or? No, well, no. Paul McCartney was actually playing the day Trey and I arrived at Fenway Park. Wow. Uh, if we'd known that, I think we might have caught an earlier flight. We would have gotten up here a little bit early. So maybe if uh, P Mac's still in town, maybe he can come out and uh, hit us with a couple of bangers. P Mac, yeah. <laughs> no one has ever called Paul McCartney P-Mac. Somebody please Photoshop Paul McCartney's head onto that picture of Tracy McGrady wearing gigantic pants and send it to us and we'll retweet it. P-Mac. Let me jump yeah. in with this comment because uh, I was watching Nelly yesterday with Danielle. I was watching the halftime show from my couch. That's why you don't watch the broadcast and you watch the NBA app. You can see what's going on in the arena. Uh, and I, I looked at, uh, at Nelly. I thought, how old is this guy? He's 47. Mm. And oh. here in the stream team, no name cards mentions Jason Tatum's mom and Nelly were high school friends, apparently. Wow. That's freaking weird, but <laughs> it makes sense. He's like 25 yeah. years older yeah. uh, than Jason Tatum. Now, Nelly is getting a little uh, Drake-like. He's courtside for whatever team will allow him to sit there. Sure. You know, it's he was a Charlotte Bobcats owner once upon a time. He was he's big he's in the uh, in the arena at Charlotte all the time. But now I guess the St. Louis connection gives him a pass for sure. But uh I don't know. I mean, he was the guy the I don't know if it was the levels, but the guy backing him up was louder than Nelly. Like the guy who finishes his lines like Nelly wasn't going all out. He wasn't singing every word. He just got up from his courtside seat, he gave him a mic, and <laughs> yeah. he started singing. Uh, that but, was funny cause that that they were showing him in the second quarter courtside, and we were like, "Shouldn't he sort of be rehearsing or getting ready or doing something backstage?" But no. instead, it was just like, "All right, here's the mic. Go out and uh, hit us with a couple of bangers." And he and he did it. I mean, that's a true showman, though. He doesn't need time. To <laughs> He's a true showman himself. Yeah. <laughs> well, we always have the debate of uh, how much did Nelly get paid for that. Mm. Worked 12 minutes, you know, got courtside seats. What what did he get? What was the paycheck for that? I, I'm, I'm always. I mean, he was I iced out. Go. So Nelly's doing all right out there. Yeah, well, for sure. I mean, and that's the thing. Like, at, at, it's like it's got to be a certain amount for him to even do it, you would think. I don't know, but. Any, 50, any guesses, 50, Trey? Yeah, yeah give me 50, I was going to say maybe 25, but. Yeah, it's the finals. It's the finals. finals, it's bump. The finals. Yeah. finals bump, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. Listen, Let uh, us know. next time we need Matt Austin playing the guitar for a ride with me because <laughs> that's his classic That's his classic guitar song. He kills it. <laughs> kills it on Ride With Me. Uh, any other notes, guys? Random notes uh, from, from the arena or watching tasks or about the game on the court? Anything else you wanted to address uh, from the Celtics taking game two 116-100 last night? 
Well, the fourth song was that one that goes, I was thinking about you. I was thinking about me. I was thinking about poo. I was thinking about pee or whatever it was like one of the later era Nelly bangers. But it's interesting that you mentioned Deuce took a picture with Nelly because like Deuce isn't that old. Has Nelly had a hit since Deuce has been born? No way. No way. No, yeah. I don't. I don't think Deuce wanted to take the photo. I think he was told to take. Yeah, the photo. he's like, yeah. you're gonna, yeah. you're gonna want this in the future. Yeah, when Nelly's yeah. in the Rock yeah. and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Nelly's career was a bit like probably Penny Hardaway from like 2001 to 2005. He pre- he peaked, and he's kind of just been living off it since then. But uh, <laughs> I think so. I mean, I don't really remember anything too much after that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it, uh, it looked like. Uh, you guys uh, were depicting a Nelly album. It looked like Trey was in his suit and you were in your sweats there, Lou. <laughs> uh, Trey was wearing the blaze. Uh, you were in a yeah. dress shirt, I guess, actually. Yeah, he was wearing it. Yeah, I was wearing a nice shirt. I kept it cash, though, eh, Lee? Oh, yeah, I mean, casual, business casual, you know? I mean, I'm like the uh, coaches these days. They don't need a shirt and tie anymore. And, uh, you know, as long as, you, as long as you've got a nice, clean shirt, you're presentable, I think that's fine. No, you look uh, good. I was like 10% good, overdressed, I would say. But that's all good. It's, really? It's the finals, man. That's the finals. Exactly. You think I'm not going to wear a new fit yeah. out there? Of course. Uh, but, but we look good. We look good. He is. Uh, yeah. He was matching the vibe up there in the rafters, sitting next to Scoop B. Robinson. <laughs> oh, <nice. laughs> yeah. That's a name dropper we're looking for. No, you look good. I just wanted to make the suit and sweat uh, joke. It good. really it really wasn't applicable to you whatsoever because you weren't wearing a, a sweatsuit. But uh, yeah, any, any, <laughs> any other... Let's just name one more media member. That's all I'm looking for. <laughs> oh, well, uh, your man, Divine, Dan Divine. Yes. Uh, yeah, nice. we had a great uh, great catch-up upstairs there. Yeah. Nice. So, uh, That's what I'm looking for. It was great. Great, Dan. He's always got good energy. He's a good, fun guy to chat to. And, uh, yeah, we had a great time. And no one from the NBA uh, told you because you're sitting in the media section to stop dancing when Nelly was performing? No, they, you're they, fine. they said, let it fly, man. Have okay, some good. fun. You know, okay, you, you're not cheering from the press box, really, when it's the halftime. You, you know, you're allowed to get into it. So, uh, <laughs> you know, they want, I, I think everyone. Did you wear it. the tall green hat during the entire game? <laughs> uh, nah, nah. Frowned no, upon. Nah, I mean, the thing, yeah, that's the thing. You're sort of showing a little bit of favoritism there. And also, it's really just <laughs> been, it's just balancing on my head right now. See, it's not, right. it's not like stuck on. So I couldn't, I haven't got a whole lot of range of movement with it because it's going to come off. But, Lee uh, actually <laughs> got really excited when he figured out that his big green hat would work as a laptop stand. <laughs> He's yeah. like, ooh, look at this. I can ba- balance it up here. Uh, my only other note from the game was we were watching, Bill Walton was in a Obviously, there were a ton of Celtics greats there. Uh, It was cool to see Paul Pierce wearing his NBA 75 jacket. Uh, I like that touch, but they showed Bill Walton. I was like, oh, I would love to talk to Bill Walton, love to get a picture with him. So that was, I don't know, they must have shown him the third or fourth quarter, something like that. We finished the game. We finished the podcast. We're walking out to, to get our car to head back home. And who comes stumbling by? Bill Walton with just a crew of people following him. And I 100% froze. I was like, yeah. oh, no, I need a Grateful Dead lyric now. Yeah. I should have said something like, Bill, we need a miracle. He would have loved that because people wanted to stop him for pictures or to talk yep. basketball. I don't think that was going to happen. But if you hit him with a Grateful Dead reference, oh. you may yeah. stop him in his tracks. Yeah. And I completely botched it. So oh, that was an L for yeah. me last night. Wow. Mm, well, at least yep. you saw him. Yeah. He must be a giant dude. eh? Oh, he's huge. Oh, he is huge. He's huge. And it seems like he's letting his hair grow out a little bit yeah. more. Had a bit yeah. of a Doc Brown look. Oh, that's exactly who I thought it was. Uh, he just come out of the time machine, I think. And uh, <laughs> yeah. 
But but uh, that's the thing. Bill had the big smile on his face. And I wondered, because I know you have interviewed him, Trey. I was like, I wonder if you will recognize Trey, because Trey often gets recognized. You know, he's got the big beard and that there. But uh, Bill seemed to be uh, on his way somewhere anyway. And Well, uh, geez, it would have been pretty late at that point. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's right. Yeah, we, it was after the show. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it would have been like 12, 31 o'clock, something like that. Uh, at least, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Any wacky backy smell uh, from, uh, <laughs> from Billy? Uh, didn't get co- I didn't get close enough, but uh, I would say probably a good chance there was, yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, let's take our first break. Uh, when we come back, we'll switch it up and talk some uh, NBA news and notes. Don't go anywhere. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. All right, back with the boys here in the yard on a Thursday. Got to apologize to my guys, Trey and Lee, about last night not being able to make the immediate reaction podcast. My power just went kaput last <laughs> night. We had a crazy, I don't know if it hit you or you are, Tass. Oh, we had yeah. another insane, insane lightning and thunderstorm here in Atlanta. That's back-to-back nights. And uh, yeah, everything went out about three minutes into the fourth quarter. And uh, it was uh, not coming back, the internet, at least, for a while. So uh, I packed it up and went to bed. But uh, you guys just... killed it. I listened to the podcast this morning. I guess JD did a great job maybe fixing some things. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, it was a okay. perfect recording environment. No uh, technical difficulties. <laughs> nice. No sort of audio bleed between microphones causing a crazy <laughs> echo that made us sound like <laughs> demon gods. None of that happened. So oh, it was okay. a pretty Good. smooth sailing for JD, I think, last night. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, now I'm just going to have to message Beto to go and check my roof. You're telling me there's rainstorms. I wasn't oh, there. But, uh, I mean, it was, it's been crazy the last two nights. Uh, it's been insane. Uh, Atlanta storms here. Yeah. Uh, all right. Got some news and notes here. First one, it's uh, probably of interest to our guy, Trey Kirby, because there are reports. Uh, reports, plural. I, I really should have added an S there to the lower third, but uh, the Bulls emerging as a possible suitor for Rudy Gobert. So I have to get our Bulls fan, uh, Trey Kirby's thoughts on this. Gobert in Chicago. What do you think? More like go Bulls. (laughs) Rudy, go Chicago Bears. That works too. Uh, But honestly, Skeets, this does feel like a bowl. A bowl of broccoli. You may not be excited about it. You're not even sure if you want it but you got to get those nutrients. You got to eat your vegetables. And this feels like a vegetable sort of move for the Bulls if they're really able to pull this off. Obviously, Vucevic isn't a defensive presence and the Bulls need a defensive presence. Their two biggest weaknesses outside of depth this year were defense and rebounding. Those are Gobert's two biggest strengths. He would obviously be uh, a game-changing presence for the Bulls. 
just because they are clearly right now an offensive team with not much on the defensive end. This would give them a little bit more balance. Uh, the rumored deals are Vooch, then Patrick Williams, then maybe like Kobe White to kind of match the salaries and that kind of stuff. You'd be kind of given up early on Williams, but you got to trade something to get something back. So I don't know. Uh, like I'm not enthused about the idea of Rudy Gobert becoming a Chicago Bull, but that kind of trade might be necessary for them to, to continue to be a solid, at least playoff team. I don't think that this would elevate them to championship status or anything like that, but it probably makes them a solid playoff team going forward. And as we saw this year, they're a playoff team, but as we saw for the second half of the season, they're probably in the bottom half of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Maybe this elevates them to a more solid status, like a fifth or a sixth, rather than anywhere from fifth through tenth. So I could see it happening uh, with Vucevic being an expiring contract after next season. This would be, uh, it seems like a solid time to be able to trade him. So I don't know. It would definitely help the Bulls. But I mean, you see what Rudy Gobert does in the playoffs and it's hard to get completely fired up. But also, if you're a Bulls fan, he just missed the playoffs for five years before this season. Hey, give me some more playoffs. I don't know. Yeah, Tass, what do you think about, like Trey said it, the potential deal that I'm seeing is Vucevic, Patrick Williams, and then Kobe White uh, for Gobert or something along those lines. It's not going to be draft picks. That's the thing. Bulls don't have a lot of those to give. They would be way in the future if they were throwing those in. So it's got to be young talent and then that Vooch contract. Um, what do you think from the from the Bulls or Jazz side of things, Tess? Well, the Bulls kind of went all in last year when they traded two first-round picks, plus Otto Porter, plus Wendell Carter for Vucevic. And then they'd be turning around and going even more all in, trading their young player in Patrick Williams, their, their youngest guy that really has some potential. I mean, Kobe White, I guess you can throw it in that same category, but they'd really be going for it. But at the same time, if you're able to turn Vooch, who's going to be 32 this year, uh, and not looking like his even his two years ago self into Rudy Gobert, even though you'd ha really be going all in on, like Trey said, probably just a solid playoff team. And you've already gave up your draft picks. I think you just got to you got to bite the bullet and do it uh, because Rudy would help so much. Uh, and Patrick Williams, who's a number four pick, they, uh, it's, it was kind of like them also giving up on Wendell Carter Jr., you don't know exactly what he's going to be. He could be a, a really good player in the future, but he hasn't shown that he's going to be that. So, yeah, it's the it's it's kind of a slippery slope here. The Bulls started going down that route, yes, last year by trading uh, those picks for Vooch, and it's almost like you got to keep going now. You got to keep going. I mean, they're they'd be getting old. They'd really be getting old if if you trade Patrick Williams and Kobe White. And then your core is obviously Demar and and guys like Lonzo Ball who can't play a, a full season and and it's really predicated on if Zach Levine's coming back too. If Zach Levine's not coming back, no way. Don't make this move. I don't think. Uh, but if he is, go for it. And I think from the other side, there's rumors plural about Rudy Gobert. There's rumors about Boyan Bogdanovich. There's rumors about Mike Conley. Starting to feel like there could be a, a blow up there in Utah. Trader Danny might be making some trades there uh, in, with the Jazz. Lee, what do you think about these rumors going around Gobert to the Bulls? I, I look, I think the Bulls improved with Rudy Gobert because I think they could definitely use his defensive presence, his shot blocking, and just his uh, his impact. We, he, look, he, his his value and his reputation, it's all over the place. But I think you get a very, very uh, solid upgrade defensively. And I think offensively, if those other guys like Lonzo Ball can take the extra step, and if Alex Caruso can score more, I think then you can make up for whatever offensive shooting you lose 
by trading away Vooch if that's the deal that's there to be made. So I think the Bulls uh, need an upgrade. And uh, so I think that would be a good move. And, and Vooch, he's fine, but he's also frustrating. And I think one of the things is he's not a traditional big uh, in terms of a defensive presence out there. So I think Rudy does does just upgrade them at that position. If you're going to give up some of that young talent about Patrick Williams, again, you have to give up something to get a defensive player of the year candidate, an all-star, and that's the price you have to pay. Because the Bulls were very good for like three quarters of this season. Some of us even believed like, hey, second round is is absolutely on the table here. But as the season went on, they had a few areas. Now, injuries and all, you know other factors play a, a role here. But I just think if I was to have, if I look at that Bulls team with Rudy Gobert there, I think they're a much better team than they were. Or, you know, they're, they're an improved team. They're a better team than the way they finished this season. So I think a deal like that would be good, especially, again, if you're moving on from Vooch with one year left. And he, he's been fine, but I think, I think Gobert is better for that team. It's really all how you feel about Patrick Williams as still a 20-year-old, right? I mean, if you think he's just going to be a good player, then, yeah, you're probably aggressively doing this type of deal. If it's Vooch basically for Gobert and then you don't believe in maybe a Patrick Williams blossoming into an all-star or something like that, then yeah. But, you know, (laughs) if you do, I don't know if there are Bulls fans that feel that way, Trey, that like, I mean, he is super young. He just can't stay on the floor. But when he has played, he's looked okay at times. But it's like, he's the the wild card in all of this to me. He's the wild card for sure. And I don't know. To me, he's a bit more of a theoretical player now than he has been an actual player. Even when he's been on the court, He's just invisible sometimes. Like, he completely disappears, and that's why I kind of think it's more likely the Jazz say no to this trade. I think they can probably get a better player, a better future player than Patrick Williams, and I and I think they would be taking a serious step back, trading Gobert. Obviously, there are chemistry concerns, and it feels like this era of the Jazz is done, so it's likely Gobert gets traded, but I imagine they can do better than Vooch and Patrick Williams out there. Yeah, maybe. It's going to be weird to see Rudy Gobert, Lee, in a different uniform. Mm. <laughs> I don't know, like, it's... uh just like so linked to the Utah Jazz and obviously uh, things that have gone well for him, winning defensive player of the years and obviously playoff performances and stuff like that. It's going to be uh, strange, but I'm with, I'm with Tass. Like it sure feels like they've picked a direction and it's going to go with Mitchell and Gobert, maybe Conley, maybe some of these other guys are available for the right price here and that they just are making, finally making this decision to just pick one and rebuild their team differently. I think. Yeah, and yeah, and it's it's no surprise that it's going to be Mitchell. He's a. Uh... I'll go ahead. I'm probably lagging. Yeah, I think you are <laughs> a little bit. Go ahead. Well, Josh. I'll just say if we see Rudy Gobert in another uniform, I think he might be appreciated a little bit more because it's just not going to happen in Utah. But the, the casual NBA fan will not even casual NBA fan. I think all NBA fans will start to appreciate what he does a little bit more if he ever wears a different uniform than the Utah Jazz uniform, because. Yeah, he can win Defensive Player of the Year, but nobody gives AF really about Rudy Gobert. But he is so, so talented on that defensive head. And that's why the mix, when you're looking at it on paper with the Bulls, if Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball can stay on the floor, and that's a big question, along with two scores, with DeMar DeRozan and a return Zach Levine, if that happens, yeah, you, you got to get excited about that. It starts to look right. real good on paper with the balance on offense uh, and defense. And it's yeah, only five think, players, though. Yeah, That's <laughs> the problem. If they trade three for one, they didn't have much depth at the end of the season anyways. So you've got a starting five, and then you got to tinker around the edges because Gobert does have a big old contract, so it's kind of hard to match salaries with him unless you've got your own big contract of your own, and the Bulls don't have that. So I don't know. This is weird. It, like, the Jazz have to break up this team. 
We've seen it too much, and they haven't gotten far enough. And obviously, last season was a super stressful season. They're going to be worse when they trade Gobert. I think they're going to fall down the standings uh, just because he's such he's such a difference maker during the regular season. Obviously, his flaws are quite obvious when it comes to postseason time, but they're going to be more in the play-in tournament sort of range, I think, than battling for fourth and fifth seeds. This next uh, piece of news is a, a fascinating article from The Athletically. Mm. It's come out that the Suns were dealing with a COVID outbreak that may have impacted their ability to perform there against the Mavs uh, in that game seven where they got just destroyed. According to the Athletics reporting, six different individuals, including one player, tested positive for COVID either late in that series versus the Mavericks or just after it ended. I think they're saying the player, the unnamed player, maybe right after it ended. Uh, The Suns and the NBA have both said that the team did not violate any of the league's health and safety protocols. And this includes like reporting and testing and sitting personnel out uh, that have tested positive for COVID-19. But anyway, highly recommend everybody go check this article out, theathletic.com slash no dunks if you want to read it. But yeah, what's your takeaway from this, Lee? Well, my takeaway from it is that um, the way that teams have to report uh, the virus basically is down to an honor system. Uh, Sam Amick and Joe Varden here did a great job with the reporting here, and that's what it came down to. So only if you basically showed symptoms would you then have to test and then you have to report that test. And this is something I have wondered about because we know like Steve Kerr missed a couple of games, Al Horford down in the Miami series missed the game. Um, you know, now we're at a different stage, obviously of COVID because a lot of people, in fact, I would say most players in the NBA, except for a couple, of course, still uh, have been vaccinated and boosted. And so then your recovery time is a little bit quicker than if you haven't been vaccinated. And so now it's like, Sometimes if you, a lot of, like, I think, I think all of us have had it as well. You might feel off for a day or two, but you don't really feel like you're bedridden for a lot of it. So if you're playing in the playoffs and it's like, man, I've got a bit of a sniff, I've got a bit of a runny nose, maybe you don't want to test yourself in case you test positive and then you have to miss some time there. And so I think that's maybe what happened here. Some guys were feeling a little bit worse for wear and they either just decided not to test themselves or if they got the result, they just didn't tell anybody. I'm not sure. It's a very weird situation. Certainly the way the Suns played that game seven, it feels like something was happening within that locker room. Exactly what it was, no one really knows, but it feels like there was an impact here. I know that in that report as well, some of the Mavs were saying there was a rumor before game five that some of the Suns uh, had, again, symptoms, potentially the virus here. And so it's a bit of a tricky spot here for the NBA because – do you have to come in and say, right, we have to test everybody again and if independently, and if they test positive, then they're out no matter what? Or do you do, you know, trust the teams to be honest about their own testing and therefore then reporting? It seems to me, again, speculating somewhat, that maybe the Suns, some of their players had it or suspected they had it, but either didn't test or just didn't report it. And and that's where I think uh, this, this article's sort of alluding to that there was... Um, a bit of an issue with that. Tass or Trey, any thoughts on this? My only thoughts really are that, you know, we were wondering what was happening with Phoenix at the end of yeah. that series. Cause everybody talks about the 33 point game seven loss. That was obviously a very weird thing to see, but they lost game six by 27 as well. So there was a lot going on behind the scenes with the Suns, It seems with uh, the drama between Monty Williams and Deandre Ayton and how his tenure with the Suns may be coming to an end. Obviously, we've got this uh, COVID outbreak as well. It definitely puts that series into a little bit different light, seeing the way that, you know, the Suns just completely 
petered out at the end of that series, considering during the 2021 season when they were made a run to the finals, they were one of the best teams in the league at not getting COVID and keeping their players on the court and pointing the exact same way. Something went wrong quite clearly uh, late in this series. And at least this is a little bit of an explanation why, but just a very, very strange way for their season and maybe this era of the Suns to end. But still, who the heck knows what happens? It may have been that everyone was healthy on the Phoenix Suns. There was an assistant coach who tested positive, uh, Brian Gates. That was revealed. And there was one player who tested positive after game seven on the Suns. But that name not revealed because the Suns haven't revealed it themselves. And that's it. So they may have had a reason. It was odd to see what happened with even Chris Paul after game two and how uh, that team fell apart. Yeah, a very strange. I don't think this answers anything really but uh yeah it, it provides potentially a reason for what happened to the suns in that series but then going forward into the conference finals the mavs were all good it, it felt like you know no one no reports of sniffles no reports of anyone being under the weather or anything uh so it sure feels like the mavs didn't contract the virus from the suns but again it, it is an honor system and that's why it's uh it's all speculation uh, at this point. Final one here. Back to the Jazz. Uh, according to Woj, Utah has received permission to interview several assistant coaches in their search for Quinn Snyder's replacement. The list is including Nick's Johnny Bryant, the Milwaukee Bucks' Charles Lee, Boston Celtics assistant coaches Will Hardy and Joe Mazzula, and then Utah also intends to interview their own assistant coach in Alex Jensen, and former Blazers head coach Terry Stotts. Now, I know we've talked about this a little bit already. I think the most interesting thing here, Lee, from Woj's report on this or the update on this is Danny Ainge says there's no urgency to hire a head coach before the draft or the start of free agency. And I just wanted to get your take on that. Are you surprised by that? Doesn't concern, like, not a concern to you at all, uh, Danny Ainge's thinking? Because a lot of times you hear, like, you know, you want to get the the coach in place for drafting guys and moving forward. But what do you think about that? Maybe Danny Ainge is angling to get back on the bench himself there. Oh, and he's boy. like, uh, hey, maybe I, maybe I can coach these guys. Now, I, I look, I, who knows exactly? I think it's just that sort of uh, slow, meticulous approach. He wants to get the right guy and he wants to interview as many candidates as he feels could fulfill this job. Um, but I guess as well, there is some uncertainty still with the playing personnel. And maybe he wants to address that first. So then whoever the coach is, doesn't come in and they get the same question like, all right, so what are we doing? Is it Rudy's team? Is it Donovan's team? Are we trading these guys? Are they both going to be here? Are we going to move on? Are we rebuilding? So maybe Danny Ainge's thought process is, let me take care of that side of it first. And then the coach will have a bit more of an idea of what we expect from him, given, you know, as we probably expect, they'll make at least one large move here, trading one of those guys. So that's all I can think of. I mean, you know, again, Danny Ainge, as the newish GM there. I think he's been there about a year or so now. Uh, he wants to make an impact and he wants to sort of build this team. He did a good job there in the Boston uh, Celtics there. I mean, he won a championship and he, and he left behind a pretty good roster as well. So I guess he's trying to take that same approach where he's like, let me figure out these things on my own timeline. He knows there's going to be plenty of good candidates and uh, I guess he'll just decide when he feels the time is right. Woj also in the article says that Jensen, who is the assistant coach for Utah, he will be the primary coach for the Jazz offseason. And I guess he's expected to coach Utah's summer league team too, right? Not, not that that matters at all, but, you know, 
you're you're in you're in control of these things, and I wonder if he can uh, impress. Maybe he does get this job, but there's a lot of names, Tass, uh, obviously floating around here. I don't know if you have any thoughts on who gets the job ultimately. Yeah, it's interesting that the the Jazz could potentially go internally for sure. Uh, I I just think up top with Danny Ainge, he's just been bottling up this need to make some trades for so long. It's just gonna happen. <laughs> they're just gonna they're gonna start rolling him and. He'll get Justin Zanuck, the GM, to do the dirty work. You make the calls and all that. But Trader Danny's going to make some trades, I think. I think they're going to start flowing. And uh, you can hear the excitement in my voice because I know NBA fans are going to be excited here in a month when uh, all this stuff starts to go down. Even a month, I say, around the free agency. But even around the draft is is two weeks today. So that could happen then. Exciting stuff. Are you saying you're getting excited for an emergency podcast when uh, Rudy Gobert gets traded to trade Chicago Bulls? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I will go bear. I will go there and do – I know it wasn't amazing, but whatever. Uh, I, I Yes, I'm ready. I'm okay. ready to talk. Rudy, love me emergency podcast. I will do an emergency podcast for a four-way trade involving Serge Ibaka, Marvin Bagley II, Dante DiVincenzo, and – <laughs> somebody else. Yeah, somebody else. Another guy. I get the, the, that? The, the Trey Lyles stuff oh, happening man. from Detroit. You're so close, too. I, I, I have no idea what the answer is, though. Are we doing an emergency podcast, Trey, when, uh, I don't know, Johnny Bryant gets named the Utah Jazz head coach? Or um, no. Probably not. No. no. Uh, what, would, what coach would, like, earn an emergency podcast? I don't think even Popovich retiring would be an emergency podcast. That would like maybe lead an A block if it's a slow news day. Definitely Phil Jackson. Like a Phil Jackson. If he comes back, back, okay. If he comes yeah. back, we're doing an emergency triangle cast for sure. Okay. Yeah, that's a good question. I can't think of really. Lee, is there anyone else that we're like, wow, we got to talk about this right now? Wow, Derek Fisher just got fired. That didn't really cause anyone to uh, go for an emergency podcast. No, it, it's tough. Uh, I mean, Spolstra, but obviously nothing's going to happen there. Um, I don't think so. Oh, you're tough. saying you're saying someone getting canned? Yeah, have an emergency. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I guess yeah. out of nowhere, Pop. Yeah, if Popovich gets fired, <laughs> okay, that would be interesting. Straight up fired. Interesting. Yeah, maybe uh, would call for an emergency podcast. Okay, we'll see who Utah ultimately decides on. Though again, Danny Ainge is in no rush by by all accounts. Uh, we might have the draft and maybe trades like Tassan and start a free agency, and they may not even have uh, their head coach in place yet. It's very possible. And Tass is right. It might just be a case of Ainge being like. We don't need one more voice coming in here. All of the voices in the Jazz front office are pretty fresh. Like you said, Skeets, they've got Alex Jensen there who's going to be handling kind of like the day-to-day coaching stuff. They're yeah. going to continue to run things by him, which maybe that puts him in a nice position going forward. But he's like, let me focus on this. I'll get the players. We'll bring in a guy to lead him thereafter. Yeah. All right, let's take our final break. And when we come back, Tassie has got Tweet of the Night. Don't go anywhere. Been doing a bunch of retirement planning stuff lately. So I've had documents flying in and out the mailbox. A lot of signatures, both analog and digital. A lot of phone calls, a lot of stamps. Got to get my long-term future straight. Yeah. Let me tell you, Skeets. The things we build our future around are the things worth protecting. Making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Watch your assets. 
With Trust & Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $199. Go to trustandwill.com slash nodunks for 10% off plus free document shipping. Trust & Will's website is simple to use and the process is straightforward. In no time, you'll have peace of mind that your assets and wishes are secure with easy access and control of your estate planning. Each will or trust is state-specific and customized to your needs, whether it be care wishes, nomination guardians, final arrangements, or power of attorney. It's easy to ensure your family and loved ones avoid lengthy, expensive legal proceedings or the state deciding what happens to your assets. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with trust and will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash nodunks. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash nodunks. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all... It's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right. Back with the boys here in the yard. Andrew, let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, Tweet of the Night. Wow. Tweet. All right, all right, all right. We know our Trey Kirby has had a previous relationship with the one and only Guy Fieri. Mm-hmm. Hung out with him a couple times. Can you call it a hangout, Trey? I guess you can call it a hangout. When you're touching fists, you're hanging out. Is that true? I don't know. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We've, we've been in the same spot and multiple times. Multiple times, multiple fist bumps, and the same person who took a photo of you and Guy Fieri fist bumping. Lee Ellis was there. So I thought there's some potential there with Guy Fieri in the building. Then I saw your tweet, Trey, because people were asking. People want to know, is Trey Kirby going to fist bump Guy Fieri? (laughs) So you you hit up Guy Fieri on Twitter. Many people asking if we can fist bump. So let's get the report. Anywhere near a fist bump, Trey. (laughs) <laughs> no, I would say nowhere near is the exact way to describe it, Tass. 
<laughs> Guy had probably the best seats in the house, and Lee and I had the farthest seats in the house. So, I mean, I was reaching. I was reaching yeah. for the rafters, but uh, Guy couldn't get the fist all the way up there, unfortunately. Seems to I've been replaced by another internet content slanger, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I thought there was a chance, you know, because I think both times, I know he's been on our show. Who's one of our top seventy-five guests? Go back and check. Uh, go back and check out those three episodes we dropped uh, during the uh, All Star break. Is when we dropped them. But you happen to just come across them twice, just happenstance outside our show at All Star weekends, I think. Yeah. And one, yeah, and finals as well, I think. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, it was All Star re- week. First one was All Star weekend in New Orleans when we saw saw a guy on the street. I think it was me, Matteo, and Lee. Lee snapped a picture. That was awesome. Then we saw him again in the bowels of the arena in Charlotte for All-Star. Uh, and that's when we just randomly ran into him. And then he's obviously been there at the finals quite a few times. Did an interview <laughs> with him here, <laughs> here and there. So I don't know. We'll see if he's back for game four. I'm trying to get in touch with him. I uh, was messaging last night. He said, how's life, brother? But I was already, <laughs> I was already asleep by then. I saw he was wearing yeah. a guy's grocery games ring, which gave me an in. I said, hey, man. How can I get one of these GGG rings? He said, ha, 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 yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, he just there's a there's a restaurant, one of his just just open in around the garden there, I think, as well. There so, are a uh, lot of signs. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go check it out today, Lee. Yeah, yeah. We uh we are still planning the afternoon. So uh we've got some coffee, maybe we'll go and see Guy, have a little uh <laughs> have a little bro down with Guy Fieri. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. Well, you asked for it. We got it here, Trey. Uh, Lee calling Paul McCartney PMAC. And <laughs> oh, yeah, buddy. Trey said, uh, you know, somebody out there tweet a photo of Paul McCartney's head on the classic Tracy McGrady giant suit photo. And a couple people came through, but here's, uh, here's the first one I saw. It's from Jocko S. And uh, really well done. So there's PMAC, the big sleep. <laughs> the big sleep? <laughs> Yep, uh, it looks exactly how I imagined. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I could see Paul McCartney wearing a suit like this. He was super stylish um, in the Beatles documentary that was out earlier this yeah. year. Uh, he did like a big pant for sure on the cover of Abbey Road, so maybe he'd be interested. Mm. But that's more of a David Byrne sort of suit, if you ask me. Mm. Yeah. Our, our buddy John John's getting married this weekend. I hope he's wearing a suit like Tracy McGrady. <laughs> uh, he, like, he likes some baggy. We'll see. Maybe we'll have a customized suit there. Uh, all right. Great stuff, guys. We're going to call it there. Email in your NBA questions to nodunksattheathletic.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, at nodunksinc. You got to make sure you're following us because who knows what uh, Trey and Lee will get up to today in Boston wandering around. How's the weather today? Lee, it looks like a nice well, day. Well, it was pouring with rain this morning. Uh, mm-hmm. Conflicting reports. The radar on the weather network says we've got a clear afternoon, but the actual like hour by hour breakdown says it's going to rain this afternoon. So oh, I'm not boy. sure who to believe, but I think okay. uh, I think we'll just get out anyway and see if we can uh, maybe sip some coffee and have some laughs with some with some bros, we'll see. Did you uh, pack an umbrella? Or maybe you can borrow one from the hotel. Nah, okay. nah, I don't believe in umbrellas. If it's gonna rain, I'm gonna be out there in the rain, like it was yesterday. Hey, listen, if you are watching right now, we might have another uh, drop of a shirt at some some place in the city yesterday. Yes, wow. <laughs> yesterday uh, we dropped one in the in the Boston Common there, and someone came along and picked it up. So pay attention, follow us on socials, and uh, and we'll see if we can drop another one and have some fun with that. 
Okay. Wow. Again, follow uh, at No Dunks Inc. on all the social media channels. Grab yourself an athletic subscription as well. <laughs> Go to theathletic.com slash no dunks what's so funny Lily? umbrella deniers unite yes okay, okay. <laughs> i like the idea that umbrellas don't exist <laughs> yeah. just denying their complete existence sorry they don't exist to me yeah well listen listen when you're in a city like this if i see anyone with one of those golf umbrellas you know with a tiny bit of rain and someone has to have the big marquee over their yeah. head that's going to upset me. That's going to be. I'm going to. I'm going to unload on someone like that. You don't need. You don't need to protect your entire existence from a drop of water. Okay, just put a little bit over there. Walk along. Keep the rain off you. That's all. You don't need to be like anyone who comes within 25 feet of me is likely to touch my umbrella. Okay. Madness. Okay. So if you're going to wear, if you're going to rock an umbrella, just make sure it's small. Yes. Okay. Uh, excellent. <laughs> Guys, we will see you tomorrow with the Drop Podcast. Uh, Until then, Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Uh, Thanks for joining us. And remember, I had no idea you were an umbrella denier, Lee. I I used to work with uh, a man at TSN who grew up in a small town in eastern Canada. I think it was in Nova Scotia. And uh, he said that anyone who pulled out an umbrella would be chastised, would be destroyed. Like you couldn't, you couldn't carry an umbrella because it just meant you're soft. Um, <laughs> to me, it just means you're dry. You know? yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's a big deal, but in this town, I think they burned all the umbrellas. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> there you go. A little fact for you. Brace the day, people. Hey, baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.